So, so what fasting can do, if you can get a picture here, is it purifies our hearts and minds so that we can be positioned to receive God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's understanding, His discernment, His strength, and His loving kindness. In other words, this positioning actually allows us to begin to partner with God, to come in agreement with what He is desiring to do. That's why the anointing, that's why the favor, that's when the Spirit of God begins to move. And that's why people always say, well, if you fast, God will move. It's not about that. It's if you move close to God, get in agreement with Him, now He can partner with you, and now He'll do things. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Let me maybe say this before we jump in. What I want to preach today is more like a family talk. And it's more of just simple practical stuff for where we're going for the next few weeks. And in doing so, though, I, I just felt this morning while we were in worship that there's, that there's somebody here that you've been saying, man, I don't really know what to do. And, and I just want you to know that I think today is really the key that's going to unlock what you've been trying to figure out. Really that simple, okay? And, and so today, once again, it's going to be really, really basic, really, really practical. Uh, but it can be really, really life-changing if you actually apply it. Amen. So let's pray and, uh, and we'll hop in here. So Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every single uh, one of your people that is here. God, we're your sons, we're your daughters. And uh, Lord, it's a privilege to pull a seat up to the table and to hear what the Father has to say to us today. And so Lord, today we just tune our ears in. We tune our hearts in. We tune our, literally our eyes in, God, to just, just to be able to focus and to hear you today. And so Lord, we thank you today, God, that as you speak to us, God, thank you for clear direction. Thank you for just uh, clear understanding of what you're saying and what you would ask us to do and lord it's our hearts to just to go deeper in you to walk with you in deeper ways deeper measures have greater intimacy so holy spirit thank you for coming and doing what you do best and that's change our lives and uh, and just speaking to us in profound ways in jesus name we pray Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to jump in this morning by actually sharing a testimony with you that I read from a book by John Bevere. It's called, uh, the book is actually called Heart Ablaze. Anyways, in the first chapter of the book, he shares this testimony, and I just want to share it with you. If you don't know who John Bevere is, go YouTube him. Uh, my opinion, one of the best preachers on the planet. The dude, uh, him and his wife are great preachers, and both of them can write a good book. All right, so... Free plug for John and Lisa right there. All right. So anyway, so in the first chapter of this book, John talks about how he was finishing the fourth meeting of basically a, you know, it was the last and fourth meeting at this church where he was preaching. As he was trying to finish, he was having a really, really hard time. You know, he he was going, man, God really moved. You know, the people were extremely receptive and we went long past the time where normally church would end. But yet he was sitting on the platform and he was struggling. He was hesitant to close down the meeting. And the reason why is because he felt like in his heart that God's spirit was kind of hovering over the, the congregation, but he was restrained for some reason. Like he just couldn't do what he wanted to do. He knew that God wanted to do more, but that God just, like he couldn't. And so as he stood there on the stage, he was just kind of praying and the Lord actually spoke to him and he said, John, here's what's hindering not only this church, but every church in this area. God actually showed him that pretty much the churches would grow to a certain amount of people. And then when they got there, they would either split 
or they would either become legalistic and religious and they would lose their effectiveness. And uh, when, basically when, when, uh, when God said that to him, God also said this. He said, he said, John, if this church would be willing to fast and pray for 40 days, then basically that hindrance over this church would be broken. And so when John told the crowd that, you know, he said he could almost hear the people uh, kind of gasp for air, go 40 days without food, like, oh my gosh, right? And, and then John basically just explained to him, look, guys, this isn't necessarily a, uh, you know, an absence from food fast. This could be, we fast from anything that basically keeps you from pursuing God, keeps you from seeking the Lord. So it could be TV, it could be video games, it could be newspaper, uh, you know, excessive shopping. I'm sure that wasn't for the men. But anyway, so, uh, you know, it could be phone conversations. I don't like talking to phones. That probably wasn't for men either. But anyways, but, but anyways, at that time, basically the senior pastor hopped up and he said, he said, John, you're right on. I've seen that for years. Basically, that's exactly what happens in the churches here. And, and I want you to know that I am committed to this fast. And then he pleaded with the congregation to basically join him in that endeavor. And, you know, once again, that moment to use... You know what it says in Joel, basically what happened is he is he he blew the horn in Zion, he blew the trumpet in Zion to gather the people for a corporate time of fasting and prayer. And so here's what's happened. Just kind of fast forward a few weeks in, this church is once again in unity and they've dove in, they're fasting and praying, and, and they begin to experience like the a greater level of God's presence than what they had been experiencing ever since the time the church started. And not only that, they started seeing a lot more people born again and saved in their services. And then another cool thing started happening. Parents began to testify uh, about how their kids who had previously struggled in school, they would come home, they'd bring C's and D's. Now those same kids were making A's and B's. And, and then he also said this, that, that the kids that Basically, that there was an increase of their obedience. There was an increase in the respect, not from children, but also from the teenagers. If you've got teenagers in here, it's a great place to say amen. And uh, anyway, so, so, but wives actually started sharing how their husbands were like different men. That fathers were leading Bible studies and praying with their families. Uh, that were literally that relationships that were broken. They were being restored. And some people even said that basically they testified how God had healed their physical body of whatever was going on. So virtually as this church began to unify themselves and pray and fast... Almost every area of their lives were being affected. So pretty cool, right? So fast forward six Sundays later, it's on the 40th day. John basically returned to the church, and he said this, basically that he walked in the church. There was such an expectancy and hunger in the air for what God was going to do, right? And so that morning he preached, and, and man, the service was great, but he just kind of knew in his heart, man, God, that's not what you have in store. And so pastor knew it, and the pastor actually got up, and he told the people this because they were having a, a Sunday night service. He said this. He said, if, if you or your children miss tonight's service, you will regret it for the rest of your life. That's a pretty bold statement to tell the church, right? If you don't come, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. So that night in response, 1,300 people packed in that sanctuary. And the sanctuary, I want you to know, on a, on a, on a good packed day, seats about 650 people. So 1,300 people came, standing room only, right? And John preached uh, the fear of the Lord. Good message, right? And basically told the people that they, gotta, that they need to uh, basically make Jesus the master in every area of their lives. It's a good day to now completely surrender to him. So watch this. So after he preached, they sang some songs, and then everything got really, really quiet. And, uh, but before I, before I tell you, you know, it was quiet for about 10 minutes. And before I tell you what happened, I feel like I need to stress this because John pointed this out in the book. And I think it's important for us because we're such a melting pot of a church and we all come from different backgrounds. But, but basically he said this. He goes, I want to make a point. Uh, this was a fairly conservative church. 
He said, where the pastor is a very good teacher, not given to extremism, sensationalism, or hype. And most of the people in attendance that night were either born again in that church or they grew up like many of us in denominations uh, that were not outwardly expressive or outwardly demonstrative. Yeah? So watch this. That was a disclaimer. All right? At 9.15, that quiet atmosphere suddenly changed. And what happened was is people of all ages began to weep. And, and some of the adults began to basically come to the altar, and they were just sobbing. And, and basically in the back right of the sanctuary, there was 150 kids that were sitting with their teachers because that night they didn't have uh, children's church for anybody six and above. So if you were six and above, you were in the back right-hand corner, 150 strong, right? And, uh, and basically uh, children began to weep. And John said this. He says, God is touching the children, that the children are going to be touched powerfully by the Lord. And he said, basically at that moment, he encouraged the kids who were being touched. You got you to know John. John is, uh, there is no gray. John is, man, it is truth 100%. There's such a fear of God in that man. He doesn't shy this way or that way. He, he's all about facts uh, before the Lord. But he said this, basically, look, if, if God is touching you, come to the altar. But if he's not, stay in your seat, right? Nearly 100 children, they didn't walk. They started running to the altar, weeping uncontrollably, and they didn't have a whole lot of strength, and, and listen, nobody touched them, and they began to look like dominoes. Basically, as one child after another fell to the ground, some on their knees, some on their faces. Now, now get this, this is like ages like seven to nine years old was the most in that age group, all right? So this isn't learned behavior, really conservative church, right? So they began to fall, once again, you know, on their knees, they began to fall on their faces. Some fell on top of each other while crying out to Jesus. And then this, some actually shook and began to wring their hands uh, like they were profusely basically on fire because the fire of God was all over them. And so even one kid and several adults, there was some people in the choir, some people in the crowd, they basically said this, that they saw uh, a brilliant white light basically being coming down the ceiling, basically hitting people. Right now, now the wild part is this: is that is that this didn't happen for uh, two or three minutes. Was some quick thing. It actually lasted for an hour and fifteen minutes. And, and literally, they talked about how uh, basically the, a wave of God's power would come in the room, and the kids were just you know sobbing, weeping, hollering, and you know crying out for Jesus. And, and when they thought, man, surely these kids can't do it anymore, another wave more powerful would come, and it would go there again. Right? There, there's something, I've been in church long enough. What I love about kids is kids don't fake it. Okay? So, so that's why I love this story. But so, anyway, so as you can, as you can imagine, uh, you know, the service finally wound down after an hour and 15 minutes of that. You got moms and dads, they're hugging their children, they're weeping together, and they're, and they're you know, they're, they're just hugging. And, uh, and God began to knit families' hearts. Amen. And uh, so as you can kind of expect that that night didn't only change families, but it also dramatically changed the church. Now, watch this. This is important. Remember that the first night John was there and he preached, the Lord showed him what was hindering the churches, how they had grown to a certain point, And then basically it would stop. Right. It would either split or, or it would just stop growing. But but here's what happened in that church over the next year and a half. That church actually doubled in size. And the second service uh, where they would typically go for an hour and a half to two hours was now going four to five hours long. And and the pastor one Sunday actually stood up and he said, he said, uh, basically, guys, uh, would you would you please go home? And, and he, he said basically that the people just looked at him and stood there because they didn't know what else to do. They were just so hungry for God. They didn't want to go anywhere else. We could use a little bit of that. Amen. In our country. 
So listen, I think it's important to say this. John said this kind of before he gave all that. He said, he said, I will never forget what I saw. He says, some of you may think what I share is a bit extreme. And if I had not seen it along with 1,200 other witnesses, I might agree. Now, I will say this to you because I want to add to that. There was a time where I thought that's maybe a bit much myself. Uh, but, but I want you to know, I worked at that church for 14 years. So, so I had the opportunity. That happened in 1996. I got there in 2000. But I've had the opportunity over the years to hear the testimonies of adults and kids that were there to know that, man, that was a real deal. And, and the truth is, is y'all have even met some of them that were there. Y'all just didn't know it. So now why am I sharing all this with you? All right, for two reasons. Number one is this, because I want you to see a living example of what can happen when a church family comes together uh, with their hearts united and spirit of unity to fast and pray. Literally, listen to me, guys. There's miraculous possibilities. Amen. Amen. The second thing is in light of that is, is because a little plug here is because today we as leadership want to invite each one of you to join us in basically our this year's 21 days of prayer and fasting. So it, this, so today is basically all kind of geared to where we are going over the next few weeks. But, but the fast will actually begin. You can either begin next Sunday or next Monday. So that's March the 31st or April the 1st. So it's, no, it's not April's Fool's. It's a real fast. Um, and it'll go all the way through Easter. Now, here's basically what we're believing, okay? It is, is we're basically believing that God's going to bring breakthrough as we fast and pray, not only in our families, not only in our personal walks, but also in our church. And also, uh, listen, I got faith enough even in our region. Amen. And, and so next Sunday, so next Sunday, we're actually going to give you like a handout that, uh, that basically has the prayer points that we want us to unify around and to go in as a church. And I'm just going to ask you today, in the same way that that pastor, which is Pastor Al, the same way that he asked the congregation to join, I'm asking you to join. And, and so today, kind of the purpose is this. Some of you guys, so uh, listen, I, I fully realize that today that uh, some of us in this room, the concept of fasting may be new and it may be, uh, you may be really unfamiliar with it, may be foreign to you. In fact, some of you guys may be scared to death of it and you might even think it's weird. But, but I want you to know, especially I, I think the reason we think that a lot of times because we live in a society that acts like if you don't get three large meals and, and, you know, and snacks in between every day that you're on the verge of starvation. Right? I like my snacks. Anyway, so li- listen, but the truth is, is that all throughout the Bible, we see fasting as a regular part uh, of God's people, right? It's a regular part of their lives. And so, for example here, obviously we see Moses, we see King David, we see Elijah, we see Esther, Daniel, Prophetess Anna, Paul, and even Jesus, and a whole lot of other people that committed themselves to, to times of private prayer and fasting. And we also see Ezra the scribe, King Jehoshaphat, uh, the prophet Joel, and others calling people, listen, calling God's people, not just, not just one or two people, but literally calling entire cities and even sometimes the entire nation of Israel to corporate times of prayer and fasting. And so uh, more importantly today, though, I want, I want to focus on how Jesus kind of framed it up for us. Okay, and, and he framed it up for us starting in the Sermon of the Mount. And I just want to show you three verses, just the first part of it to kind of prove a point, and then we'll cruise on. So uh, I want you to notice this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. Watch this. Jesus says, when you give to someone in need. Somebody say, when. Look at Matthew 6, 5. He says, when you pray. Look at Matthew 6, 16. He says, and when 
you fast. So the main thing I want to know here is that Jesus, when he said the word when, right? When you do these things, not if you do these things. So there's this expectation that Jesus has for you and I that all three of these areas would be active expressions of our faith. Amen? In other words, it's this, that Jesus expects us just as much as he expects us to be a generous people, just as much as he expects us to be people of prayer, he expects us to have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. Now, I say all that to simply say this, that fasting is absolutely normal. So you can breathe, right? It's normal, and, and it should be commonly practiced by all of God's people. Unfortunately, if I can add, and I'm not saying this is church as a whole, but, but it's a lost art in the church. It is. It's a lost art in the church. You don't hear a lot of sermons about it. And uh, we hear a lot of sermons about our needs, but we don't hear a whole lot about uh, sacrificing something. And I'm not going to lie to you. When you go fasting and praying, there's sacrifice involved. Amen. But it's a sacrifice that has a great reward. Amen. So, so let's kind of shift here, gears here for a minute. I told you we were going to be practical today. So I want to give you some practical thoughts because the more that you and I actually understand what fasting is and what it is not, the more successful we'll actually be. You know, so what I, what I don't want to do is I don't want to say, hey, guys, we're going to go in this 20, 21 days of prayer and fasting and we don't have a clue what we're doing. And, and we're just kind of running aimlessly and we kind of miss the point. And, and because if we do that, we're, we're, we're not going to really get the nothing's really going to happen. Amen. If we're going to sacrifice, let's see if something can happen. Amen. So, so what does fasting mean? Really practical. In the original language, fasting means this. It actually means to cover one's mouth or to abstain uh, from food for spiritual purposes. That last part, for spiritual purposes, is just as important as not eating the food. Amen. Are y'all getting scared or something? All right, so in other words, this, rather than eating a meal, what we do is we dedicate or we take that time where we would normally be eating and we, and we say, you know what, I'm going to focus on my relationship with God. So I'm going to take that time and I'm going to, and I'm going to uh, read my Bible, I'm going to have private worship time, and I'm going to pray. And it's better to have a combination of all three. Amen. So I'm going to take that time and I'm going to commit it to the Lord. In essence, there's a verse here in Matthew 5, 6 that really grasps what we're going for here. He says this in Matthew 5, 6. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for a cheeseburger. No. So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In other words, those who hunger and thirst for God, that they will be filled. Amen. So watch this. So in a broader sense, what, what, what different types, what kinds of fasting are they? And this, this is huge. Kind of for a lack of a, a better word, I'll just call the first one this, this way. Uh, there, there's a traditional fast. And what I mean by that is this, is this is where we don't eat food, we only drink water. Okay, and that is the most common fast throughout the Bible. Okay, that we take time and we drink water and we don't eat food and we, and we focus our time on the Lord. The next one is this, and this is a very popular thing in the church, but, but basically a partial fast. And this is where there's a restricted diet. Some people just eat fruit. They just eat vegetables. And, and basically, it's called, a, it's called a Daniel fast. If you want to know what a Daniel fast is, Google it. Uh, there's plenty of information. All right, the next one is this. It's an absolute fast. And, and this is where there's no food and no liquids to drink. And uh, you, you'll see an example. Uh, yeah, I got a verse right there in, in, in Esther where they went, basically, they called. Here's, um, you know, um, 
oh God, my mind's going blank. The guy, I want to call him Haman, and that's not right. The, the guy that wanted to, obviously Mordecai is the uncle. Esther goes, hey, Mordecai, go tell the people this guy's trying to kill all of us. Sam Ballot, that's the guy's name, just came to me. So anyways, go, he's trying to kill all of us, so tell the people to go fast, to not eat, and to not drink, and let's seek God. And obviously God rescued the country. And there's two places in the Bible where you see an absolute supernatural fast where, where people don't eat or drink for 40 days. Okay, now you got to know that supernatural God's in it. So, in fact, I'll just say this just for fun. Uh, you know, the, the biggest statement of the Bible that's the, maybe the biggest understatement, it says that Jesus fasted 40 days and he was hungry. Anyways, I'm like, yeah. All right, so anyways, so the next thing is this. I couldn't find a Bible verse for this, if you can believe it or not, but, but there's people who do media fast. And what I mean by that is basically anything that's a potential distraction that keeps them from spending time with God. In other words, if we stop and we look and go, how much time am I wasting in these areas? And let me quit, you know, once again, quit watching TV, quit doing social media, quit going off the computer, quit doing certain activities. And let me take that time and to focus on God, right? And then uh, the last one there is simply this. It's a combination. Uh, typically, when, when Jen and I and our, and our family, talking about us and our four kids, when, when we go into 21 days prayer fast, we do these things, it's a combination of those things okay and so in other words that that we'll pick days where we don't eat and uh and so we definitely cut out media and uh there's days that maybe in times past where we would do the the whole daniel fast but for me daniel fast is like death on wheels and it is it's, it tears my body up it kills me little, little tmi i know but man it, it just puts a hurt on me anyways so so let me maybe say this here okay the, the goal in all this isn't just to uh check a spiritual box the goal of this is to get closer to god yeah. amen and, and so once again it whatever we do and we all need to take time to go jesus what do you want us to do but but we need to go okay and make a make an potential uh you know fully embrace the moment and go all in on it and do what jesus wants us to do are y'all awake? Elbow your neighbor and say, wake up. So um, let me kind of give you a few thoughts here, just kind of encourage you. I think if I, if I take a look at my 20-whatever years we're at now of walking with God, I got saved at 18, I'm 40 now. And, and so, but if I take the times where there was, uh, especially times of transition, and I really, 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 really needed to know the will of the Father. I, w- I would spend time fasting and praying. And, and it's weird. I can look back at the last 20-whatever years and these key moments in my life where God really spoke and there was great transition in my life. Fasting and praying was always attached to it. Always attached to it. I've told you guys many times, uh, you know, little, little Alabama boy living in North Carolina, we were fasting and praying, and God said one day at, at about 1230 in the afternoon, and I, as I was fasting lunch, he said, you're moving to Maine. So, so I'm here today because I fasted and prayed, but let me kind of give you another thought. Uh, you know, for years, Jen and I were youth pastors, and, and we finally got so discouraged by all of the, all of the, uh, camps that were available to take our kids to because we would take them there and, and we would spend loads and loads and loads of money and since I'm raising money we'd get there and we'd leave and there was no change in the kids because there was no uh, significant spiritual moments and so we decided to go you know what we're going to get uh, with two of our other really good friends that have the same spirit same heart want the same goal and we're going to start doing our own camps and watch this like I'm telling you this on purpose so we get there to this camp and one of the prerequisites was this is give me your phone. Okay? And so we took that phone from that blessed little child, all right, that, that you thought that that phone was a growth off the side of their head, right? 
And we took that phone from them. There wasn't TV. We had tons of fun, played a lot of games, uh, sweated a lot. Amen, you was there. And uh, anyway, so, so it got really, you know, it was hot. Y'all, it don't get hot here. It's like 103 degrees. We're running around with like 250 kids, okay? And so anyways, so we took all that away. In other words, we removed all the clutter, all the things that distracted. And then what happened, we'd go to church, the power of God would just... And from the very first camp that we said, hey, we're going to do it our, our, on our own. We're going to do it our way. And we kind of brought those pieces in. Uh, it changed our youth group. Everything was totally different after that first camp, completely different. And, and so then there became this time where kids, they knew in their heart, man, when we get to camp, man, God is going to drop a bomb in the place. We're going to, watch this, we're not going to talk about God. We're going to encounter God. Big difference. And, and they just knew. It was almost like in some ways we had to tell them, stop waiting until you get to camp. Right? And so after a while what happened was is then it started happening in our youth services. Right? On Wednesday night. And God started showing up. And it was always cool when the adults would come in to get their kids and the power of God to hit them too. That's a fun day. Right? So anyways, so the point is, is we're trying to remove all this clutter so we can just focus on Jesus. And I'm telling you from experience, if you do this, man, God will show up. Amen? He will show up. So how long should we fast? Okay, great question. How long should we fast? Biblically, you can go from skipping one meal up to 40 days. More power to you. All right? So, so listen, though, kind of a combination. Most people do this. Most people go a day, three days, or they'll go from sunup to sundown, uh, or they'll go whatever. They'll go 24-hour period, whatever it is. Once again, you got to, uh, I would encourage some of you guys to know your medical history, okay? And I would also encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit, yes? And, and if you're sitting in here and you're a teenager today, yes, I'm talking to you too. Okay, I'm not just talking to adults. Amen? All right, so why do we fast? If you haven't heard anything yet, hear this. Why do we fast? Why do we fast? For the last 20 years, I've seen people fast for the right reason, and I've seen people fast for the wrong reasons. And I want to give you three quick wrong reasons people fast so we don't fall into the trap. All right? So first one is this. I'll admit it that fasting is a great weight loss program. Listen, my... My, my brother literally called me, hey, hey, Quinn, what's that, what's that fast you're doing at your church? I, I'm trying to lose some weight. <laughs> I was just like, in my head, I was answering nicely, but I'm thinking, bro, you're kind of missing the point here. But, but anyways, l- listen, while, while you can definitely lose weight fasting, it's not the purpose of why you fast. Amen. Great place, amen. So listen, I've I seen people turn fasting into more about the types of food that they can eat their hunger pains, uh, their creative recipes, how many pounds they've lost, and all of that. Once again, I'm just trying to say uh, the purpose of fasting is not a diet, okay? It's not, it's not a time for a colon cleanse, amen? All right, so here we go. Second reason, I just said if you're awake. Second reason here is we do not fast to look spiritual to others. Man, over the years, I have seen people, man, mope around, they suck the cheats in, try to, try to look skinny, and then they, then they, I don't know, it's funny. People use like this, like strange, like code language when they're fasting, right? Because they really want you to know that they're tired and they're hungry. And they really want that pat on the back because they're doing something really spiritual. And they just get awkward. If you, anyways, you go to one of those churches. Y'all are like, I've never seen the people. You will in the next 21 days. All right, anyway, so. 
It's just funny. People get pitiful. Last one is this, and, and this is really the one I want to focus on. It is, is fasting is not a hunger strike. Fasting is not a hunger strike to somehow try to force God to move on your behalf. Listen, God will not and cannot be manipulated. But I've seen so many people get in a spot, and they, want, and they want God to move so desperately. And so they'll say, I fast and pray so God will move. That's not the purpose. Amen? It's definitely not the purpose. In fact, I, I know this guy. I met him years ago. This guy is brilliant, an absolute brilliant man, probably one of the best teachers I've ever heard on the planet. When he was a young gun, uh, this guy's like, and I don't even know if he's still alive anymore. He's from England, and he lived in New York. And anyways, he was like 70-something 20 years ago. So I don't know how, I don't even know if he still exists. Anyways, but he may be in glory land. So anyways, this guy said this. He said, when I was a young guy, I wanted a, a basically a healing ministry like a certain person. And so he decided he was going to fast 40 days, nothing but water, and basically somehow get this healing anointing on his life. On day 40, God spoke to the man. And he said, he called him by name. I won't say his name, but he called him by name and he said, you're on a hunger strike. I've called you to be a teacher. Now get up and go teach. In other words, you, I haven't called you to this. Right? So he spent 40 days trying to convince God to change his calling. And he finally, you know, on the 40th day, I'm, I'm like, Jesus, you could have said that on like day three. <laughs> right? You know? God doesn't play hunger strikes. So anyways, the point is this, is that when is that uh, when we fast for those kind of reasons, we're really missing the point, and we really won't, once again, get much benefit from it, right? So, so a good example of, of this is found in Isaiah 58. Let me show you this verse. Basically, in this verse, the children of Israel, they've been fasting, and they actually ask God this. So they've been fasting and fasting fast. They say, God, why aren't you impressed? Why don't you even notice our efforts? And then God answered him clearly, said this, I will tell you why. It's because you are living for yourself even while you are fasting. Great spot to underline right there. He said, this kind of fast will never get you anywhere with me. Yeah, punch to the face, right? All right, so, all right, so we said wrong reason. I'll give you the right reasons. All right, listen, in my opinion, we don't fast to move God. We fast to move ourselves closer to God. If you can grab that. Grab that. We don't fast to move God. We fast to move ourselves closer to God. And it's simply this. Because we love God, we want to draw close. And we want to go in there and not only draw close, but we want our hearts to be prepared and in a place that we can receive anything that God wants to tell us. Amen? You know, a key verse there, the Bible says, once again, if you draw near to God, what's the promise attached? He'll draw near to you. And so that's got to be the core purpose of why you fast is just simply because you love him and you want to get closer to him the next reason is this is because uh i'm not sure if there's a better way but but when we fast we we actually humble ourselves before the lord you know david said this in psalms 35 13 he says i humble my soul with fasting i humble my soul with fasting if you've ever uh studied about how we are a triune being in other words that we're body soul and spirit right or spirit soul and body then you'll find out that the soul is basically your mind, your will, your emotions. And so basically what he's saying is, is I humble my mind, my will, and my emotions by fasting. And in essence, I'll say it this way, that, that the reason fasting is such an act of humility is because we take our eyes off of ourselves. That literally we take our eyes off our wisdom, our understanding, our abilities, our talents, our human possibilities, our flesh, and going down the line and we put it on God. Making sense? So, so to, to even, even stop for a second and ask yourself, 
Man, how much of our lives do we depend on ourselves? There's people in this room, and I've done it too, so I'm not throwing rocks at you, that we put more confidence in our knowledge of the Bible than we do with God. Amen? And so, listen, when we, when we fast, right, for the right reasons, I want to show you what Jesus said in the same chapter when he said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. He said this uh, right after he said, when you fast. He said this in Matthew 6, 17, 18. When you do it for the right reasons. Here we go. It says, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. It's the message. May not be inspired. All right, here we go. It says, if you go into, I love this part, if you go into training inwardly, I like that. If you go into training inwardly, act normal, normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair and for the love of God, brush your teeth. <laughs> right? Wash your face. And this says, God doesn't require attention getting devices. And then this is part to underline. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you uh, He'll reward you well. Another translation says that the God who sees in secret will reward you openly. You you know, if if we have a hard time with the fact that God actually blesses us and rewards us, you you know, we're missing a lot about who the heart of the Father is. Because he's a good God. In fact, it says in uh, Hebrews 11, 6, it says, For without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who's going to come to him must first believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Right? Amen? So, so how's God reward us? And we're going to land this baby. All right, let me give you a few benefits of fasting. Now watch this. At the core of fasting, we, we are actually denying our flesh. And by, by starving our flesh, we're actually feeding our spiritual man, right? And so this happens, that we, that we literally, we, by fasting, we are strengthening our intimacy with God. And what I mean by that is, is we actually begin to increase our sensitivity, and, and I'm telling you from experience, you'll be amazed that when you actually spend time fasting and praying, you'll realize how much time you spend depending on your own thinking, right? And so what happens is when you begin to increase your sensitivity, it begins to create clarity and you begin to hear God better than you ever hear him before. Amen? So, so in essence, once again, I'm going to say it again, it removes the clutter that so often that gets us. And the next thing is this, because it removes the clutter, and we kind of begin to know the heart of God, and we begin to partner with God in prayer, it makes us a whole lot more effective in the prayer closet, effective as intercessors. Okay, in other words, uh, spiritual warfare goes up another notch, and we actually begin to have breakthrough in the spiritual realm. And the reason is, is because we get off of our desires, and we find God's desires, and we begin to pray into those things. That's good. Next thing is this, is when you begin to fast and pray, you'll actually, listen, that fasting and prayer will actually bring to the surface or it will reveal the things that control you. It's kind of like this. So often people say this. They say, um, they'll say this. Well, the reason I'm angry is because I'm hungry. (laughs) No, brother, you angry. (laughs) It's always been there. It just, the fasting's revealing it. And that's what happens is, is when you really begin to fast and you really begin to dive in, it exposes what's really there. 
Yes? And the next thing will kind of goes along with it, but, but it purifies our heart because it reveals our sin and our wrong motives. Next thing is this, is it allows us to uh, begin to have God's perspective. And the reason relationships are restored is because we begin to see people the way God sees them, and we begin to see circumstances the way He sees them, and then it begins to change things. And also with this, is that we're there, we're fasting and praying. Once again, if you're here today and you're looking for direction, it's a great place to find direction. Because once again, you're opening the spot up where you can hear God, and it kind of removes all, once again, all the clutter, and you hear where God wants you to go. The next thing is this it builds your faith. We're going to move quick. And the next thing, it restores relationships. And lastly, with all of that, it just changes your heart. So, so what fasting can do, if you can get a picture here, is it purifies our hearts and minds so that we can be positioned to receive God's wisdom, God's knowledge, God's understanding, His discernment, His strength, and His loving kindness. In other words, this positioning actually allows us to begin to partner with God, to come in agreement with what He is desiring to do. And that's when His, watch this, because we come in agreement with Him, that's why the anointing, that's why the favor, that's when the Spirit of God begins to move. And that's why people always say, well, if you fast, God will move. It's not about that. It's if you move close to God, get in agreement with Him, now He can partner with you, and now He'll do things. Did that make sense? So let me show you a verse and and we'll be done. All right? This is really important. Because I think, in my opinion, unbelief is the number one reason that the kingdom of God um, doesn't flow in us. In other words, it's the thing that stops the kingdom of God from flowing in us. It's unbelief, right? And there's not a person in the room that doesn't have it in some way. You know, all you have to do is actually go read the Bible and take an honest assessment while you're reading. Go, do I really believe that? And and and, and not ask it. Everybody, look here, please. I, I can tell I'm bothering some of y'all. It's good. Um, and not ask yourself, do I believe it back then, or do I believe it for someone else? But do I believe it for me? Yeah. L- listen, the Bible has over three thousand promises in it that God made to you. And I'm amazed. A of our. Um, I'm going to say this, our lack of knowledge of what those 3,000 promises are, and then also our, uh, our inability to believe them. Am I making sense? So this is key. Watch this. I want to show you this verse. This is in Matthew 17. Jesus talking. It's kind of a story. Watch this. It says, and when they, talking about Jesus, John, James, and Peter. Let me set this up for you, actually. So there's a, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. We know that Jesus went up with those three guys, and, and basically, uh, God showed up, God the Father showed up, and, and uh, Peter said that brilliant thing, let's make a, an altar and blah, 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 because Moses and Elijah, and anyways, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, so, so they come off this glorious moment. God says, this is my beloved son again, and whom I'm well pleased. And they come down the mountain, and here's what it says. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, verse 15, Lord, have mercy on my son. In other words, help me, Jesus, right? For my son is an, is an epileptic. In other words, he has seizures and he suffers severely. It says, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And what that really means when you read with Mark, that literally the, the demonic spirit that he was possessed by would manifest and, and it would throw him in the fire, throw him in the water trying to kill the boy. All right? And so it goes on, says this, verse 16, it says, So I brought him to your disciples, but they cannot cure him. In other words, they couldn't heal him. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless or unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Verse 18 says, And when Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured, or he was healed from that very hour. says, this is the point I want to get to. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? In other words, why do we lack the power? Watch what Jesus said. So Jesus said to them, Because of what? Your unbelief. And he said, For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. Verse 21 says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. This is my opinion, what I'm going to give you, and probably other theologians would argue with this, and it's okay. But, but what was Jesus talking about when he said this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting? In my opinion, it was not the demon. In my opinion, he was talking about the unbelief. Yeah? And, and, so, and so one way to uproot unbelief out of our lives, once again, is through fasting and praying. Am I making sense, y'all? So... Once again, let me give you a few thoughts and we're done. Is once again, next week we're going to hand you, everybody in the room, we're going to hand you basically prayer points that we are believing God for. Okay? And what we're asking you guys to do is to uh, come in agreement and dedicate and commit yourself to go as a church family, we're going to unify into this and we're going to believe God. Right? We're going to believe God. We believe that God answers big prayers. Right, We believe he's a big God, and we believe that God uh, would have for us to come in agreement with this. So obviously, the crescendo moment is Easter morning, and uh, I, don't, I don't typically do this, but I have a certain number that I'm asking the Lord to bring that day. We know that we're going to two services uh, for that day, and we're going to see what the Lord has for us moving forward. But, but I'm believing that both of those services are going to be filled. Amen. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're not only going to be praying into that, but we're also going to give you a little card for an invite. And so part of what you're praying is also, God, the people that I'm supposed to invite, let me give them that card and let them come. Amen. And we're going to ask you guys to pick a service to come either first one or second one so we have a good representation of both. And, and basically to invite a buddy, invite a pal, invite a neighbor, invite whoever. If they're breathing at Walmart, give them the thing. All right. So, so to invite them and they're going to come and we're going to believe God is going to save some souls. Amen. And we're going to believe that God touches people's lives. But in the meantime, guess what? He's going to, I'll tell you actually where the, where the most change is going to happen. Last year when we did this, out of the three and a half years we've been here in that three-week period, God did more me in that three and a half weeks than he probably had done in the rest of the time I've been here. It was incredible. Okay, absolutely incredible. Things I heard from God were amazing. Things that he did to me, how he changed my heart, how he changed my life. I'm not the same man. And so I just want to invite you to come and not be the same man, not be the same woman. Let Jesus do what only he can do. Amen. So, so I want to encourage you in this over the next week, and we'll pray. Over the next week, just simply ask God, God, what would you have for me to do? You, you know, once again, we talked about, you know, um, here, I'm going to tell you what I, what I would ask you to do. We're going to lay a calendar out in the back, going to have 20, the 21 days, and I'm going to ask you to actually commit something to sacrifice for 21 days. So you can focus on Jesus. In my house, we're not going to watch TV. We're not going to play video games. I love a good Xbox. But we're not going to... Yeah, some, some of your opinions of me just went way down. But anyways, it's all right. So there's still a little kid in there. So anyways, so, so I'm going to lay all that down for 21 days. And as a family, we're, we're going we're to make time for God. If there's something that comes on the TV, it's going to be about Jesus. 
It's going to be about him. And, and, and so we, I'll say this for me and my wife, we're going to pick not a day but days that we're not going to eat. We're just going to pray. Okay? And, and, and there's a great thing that happens on Monday nights. Great time to come and pray with us. Okay? So I'm asking you guys, in essence, to go all in and not just go, well, I'll do this. If, you know, it's, listen, it's one of those things what we used to say in ministry school, if you give a little, you'll get a little. What you give in is what you'll get out. So I'm asking you guys, to, let's go big. Yeah. Is that okay to say that? Yeah. Let's go big. I don't ask you guys to do much, ever. Okay, I don't. But I am asking you to do something here. All right? So, so I'm asking you to spend some time with Jesus and pray and go, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want my family to do? And don't be afraid if you're a parent here to make your kid do it as well. They don't know any better. They don't know any better, right? Um, you, you know, a thing that, I, that has convicted me over years, there's a guy I know that their ministry, I say, I know I've met him, and I know people that are really close to him, but uh, they've seen incredible miracles from God. As a ministry, they fast every other day. And I remember hearing him preach one day. He said this. He said, I, uh, he said my, my 17-year-old daughter came to me and said, Dad, uh, I, the, the Lord told me to pray and fast for a week, um, you know, seven days. And he goes, and I help them with their little fast. Little fast. All right, man. Gotcha. Yeah? All right. So let's pray. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here. Let's pray. Father, the truth is, is I, um, I don't personally believe that this is my idea. Lord, I believe this is something that you want us to do. And uh, so, Lord, just as we respond in our own personal way, because, Lord, they're definitely not trying to tell anybody what to do. But, Lord, however you want us to respond as individuals and how you want us to fast and how you want us to pray, however you want us as a church to come together in unity, Lord, we just invite you and ask you in the name of Jesus to begin to talk to us. Lord, over the next week, would you just make... uh, what you desire in your heart, really, really, really clear to us. And, Lord, I'm asking you, God, to give us courage to go through with it. Uh, a lot of times we, it's easy to think about what we had like to do, and a lot of times, Lord, our flesh kind of kind of wins out at the end of the day. And so, Lord, I'm asking you just over the next week, God, that you would begin to speak to us, begin to even strengthen our own spirit, man, and, uh, God, help us to make a decision. Uh, that would bring you honor and bring you glory. And, Lord, we even pray even now just into Easter as we know that we're I think, what, like five weeks away, something like that, Lord, or four weeks. Lord, we just ask, God, that even that day that you would just saturate this place with your presence. God, we ask, God, in the name of Jesus from the north, the south, the east, and the west, that you would draw people in. And, God, just as we saw weeks back, God, as we uh, make room at the table, Lord, that you would uh, fill this place to capacity. Lord, we pray that you would fill it with people who are young and old. And, Lord, we pray that you would fill it with people who are, are in need of you and people who already maybe walk with you. God, fill it with people who don't have a home church and are maybe out there squandering that are squandering they're not planted lord we pray god that you would just draw in all types of people and jesus we believe you're the solution god for every situation that will walk through the door and lord we just pray god in faith in advance god that when these people pull up in the parking lot god that your love would hit them right there in the face lord that your love would hit them in the heart and lord that they would know man surely god is here and uh and lord we we didn't know it but he's here and he's ready to meet us and so lord we just pray in faith 
faith God, believing God, not only for that day that you're going to do exceedingly above and beyond anything we could hope or imagine, but Lord, even throughout this 21 days of prayer and fasting, Lord, we believe that you're going to do great things in us and through us. And so, Lord, we just honor you and just give you permission once again to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.